A very pleasant good evening to all the Backstage Pass Radio listeners. This evening, my guest is a local resident and a neighbor of mine from right here in Cypress, Texas. He spent many years in the music scene, not only in Houston, but Dallas and L.A. as well. He is a vocalist, a multi-instrumentalist that plays here in the greater Houston area. You guys pop on some good headphones and turn up the volume because we're going to talk to my friend Stacy Steele right after this. This is Backstage Pass Radio, the podcast that's designed for the music junkie with a thirst for musical knowledge. Hi, this is Adam Gordon, and I want to thank you all for joining us today. Make sure you like, subscribe, and turn alerts on for this and all upcoming podcasts. And now, here's your host of Backstage Pass Radio, Randy Halsey. Stacy, it's good to see you. Thanks for driving all the way from Cyprus to Cyprus to visit with me this evening. A whole five miles. Yeah. It was tough, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so how are things with you, you know, I guess from a playing out perspective, the COVID strain has loosened up a little bit. Do you see the show starting to pick up for you guys now, or is it kind of, is it still kind of in a, in a crunch? Talk to me a little bit about that. No, we're playing now more than we were pre-COVID. No kidding. It's crazy. I think I was looking at the calendar today and April, like compared to this time last year, we're, we have like five or six more shows this month. May, I think we have somewhere around all, you know, all the bands combined, including some solo stuff and some duo stuff, sure. uh, like 18 <clears throat> dates in May. Is that a June, ha- July, August are all, pre- I know every weekend is filled and then several Sunday through Thursday dates are are full. Wow. Is that a pretty normal schedule? I mean, what, what, how many do you carry a month normally? Like what's a normal month for normal for, month for the, all the bands? Normal would be like 15. Okay. Yeah. So you guys are a little ahead of the curve then. So every Friday, Saturday, probably about every other Sunday, a couple Wednesdays, a couple Thursdays, Mondays and Tuesdays are generally the nights that we don't do the anything. Blackout not nights. even, yeah, not even acoustic stuff, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, so if you combine the three to, the three bands together, and then some stuff that Kent and I do acoustic, we're looking at uh, on, on average about fifteen shows a month for at least the next four months. Yeah, well, that's great to see it picking up. I I was about a hundred, and I guess pre COVID, I was right at a hundred and thirty a year as a solo artist, and I've cut that back in half because I didn't realize how much time I would spend on the podcast. So I've gone back down to probably the seven, right around 75, 80 a year, but it's nice to see the belt loosen and people, guys like you that make a living performing, getting back to work and, and doing yeah. what you do. That's a oh, great man. thing. Yeah. Yeah. We were real worried about what it was going to be like when things started to open back up and, but we've been playing steady since like August September ish okay. of last year, yeah. we started working again after having, you know, three or four months or so with no work at all, you know, yeah. when everything was completely shut down. But around August, I think, August or September, we started filling the calendar again and booking for, you know, while it was still last year, we were already booking for this year. Gotcha. Uh, assuming that things were going to get Absolutely. back to normal. So the calendar since then has been pretty rocking. That's awesome. And every day we're adding more stuff, you know, even if it's a year from now, you know, it's, yeah, it's 
That's great. So well. you get the schedule booked out pretty far in advance, kind of like me. I'm a resident at probably seven places, and they book me a year at a time, which is awesome, right? That's but I, I hate the admin part of the scheduling. Oh, can we fill this? Can we do that? It's like, can we just set the calendar and just be done? If you have to cancel with me, no big deal. But right. I don't want to, like, onesie-twosie. It's just too hard to keep up with in the mind. Yeah, you know? no, we we try as hard as we can to try to book as far out in advance as possible. Like Jackie's, a couple other places we book 12 months out. So gotcha. like Jackie's, we, we already had the whole year booked. A couple other places, I think Mahoney's, we booked through at least like October at least. Yeah. And a couple other places. But, you know, we're also breaking into some places we've never played before that are brand new to us too. So in, in a lot of places we're finding are booking last minute right now too. Are they? Which is okay, but on the other hand, you know, we book, we stay booked. Yeah. It's like, you know, someone's like, Hey, can y'all play in two weeks? And no, no. Our, uh, <laughs> well, when's your next open Saturday? And you know, look at the calendar and it's like, Oh, well, uh, August 17 or whatever. It's like, Oh, okay. So it's like, we try to tell people, look, Hey, you can book some, let's book something now. Cause you can always cancel it later if something's going to happen. But if you want, you know, in August, you want to call us and say, can you play yeah. this day? There's no better time to do it than now. I'm in sales for a living, and that's kind of the mindset with the sales guy. You know, close now. Don't wait three weeks to close um, because that deal may not be there in three weeks. So, And and I guess it kind of sounds a little salesy to say, oh, book now. We're going to fill up. Oh, yeah, sure you are. But it's the truth. And it's like I'm just looking out for you because the schedule does fill up. Right. right? We're we're not making it up. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, the calendar's full, which is a good problem to have. Yeah, it's, it's we just can't do it last minute right now unless you want to like a Wednesday or a Thursday or something. There's a good chance we exactly. might be available, but or a Sunday morning, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which right. is probably not going to happen because you guys play late on the weekends. For yeah, sure. we try but, not to do that. So now you grew up in the Katy area, correct? Right. Mm-hmm. And what was family life like growing up as Stacy Steele? Like, kind of <laughs> like walk me a little bit through that. You don't have to go into all the bad things you did <laughs> as a kid, but. You know, were you a sports guy? Were you, were you, was it a, always a music thing? Well, it was always music. Sports were, I could care less about the sports. Uh, no, my parents were musicians. And so I, you know, my earliest memories are of being around musicians and having musical instruments in the house, music always being played either at home or I was, you know, being babysat by my grandmother or somebody in a, in a, at a in a bar stool at a, bar somewhere sure. that my parents were playing at so i i didn't know anything other than that like i said there were always guitars around or I, I, there's pictures of me that on my one year birthday i got a drum a little toy guitar a little toy piano i mean it's that was the gift that right was, that was it, it wasn't and, a baseball like, club glove yeah. or a bat it was always no, a musical instrument no and That's it cool. may be a shirt or you yeah. know but everything oh, sure. but yeah. underwear every, <laughs> right but it was always instruments and as i got a little bit older like old enough to to read like you know whatever age you start to read five i, I don't know like the sears catalog was the big thing oh yeah Especially at Christmas time, they'd have the, the, the Sears, like the wish book or whatever yeah. it was called. Go in there and circle what you wanted and, or whatever. Yeah, and it was always <laughs> like a, the, the toy drums, but yeah. a little bit bigger than, you know, like the Mickey Mouse one. Sure. But, you know, and a guitar and a little piano thing. All my Christmases, it was always music stuff. Yeah. And then and then that turned into like, you know, I'd get records and tapes yeah. and stuff eventually. But it was, yeah, growing up, 
in my house was it was music was always being played either by my parents on an instrument or singing or records were playing and you know it was that's all I really remember there was no sports there yeah there was nothing else it was just music 24 hours a day yeah. well you know that me and you and probably the old fart Kent Newman are the only guys that probably even know what a Sears catalog is, right? <laughs> <laughs> and Tina's over there raising her hand too. So, <laughs> no, yeah, it was yeah. a great thing back in the day. I mean, that's how we shopped, right? Yeah, that was and it was, it was. And it was, like you said, yeah, you'd circle it and go, Mom, Dad, Mom, you, I want this. I want this is yeah. what I want. I did the same thing. So, brothers, sisters? I have three younger sisters. Three younger. Yeah. Okay. Um, Musicians as well, or no? No, not really. No, I think they think they kind of tinker around with the piano a little bit, which is how I am on a piano. I can, you know, I can kind of pick out a couple of things by ear, but mm-hmm. uh, by no means would I call myself a piano player. But they all sing. They all have great voices. Nice. Everyone in the family can sing at least, if not play an instrument as yeah. well. Everyone can you know, sing harmonies and lead as well, just as good. That's cool. So yeah. mom and dad were both professional musicians that played, not just dad, right? Yeah, my mom, when I was born, well, for a few years prior to me being born, my parents were in a touring band called The Future Faces, and they were doing hits of the of the era that, like, uh, let's see, they had a record um, that was, they, 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 they worked for Marriott. Okay. For J.W. Marriott, yep. and he would actually fly them all over the country to all these Marriott hotels throughout the country, and they would play for, I don't know, like a month at a time or something, and they were doing stuff like, uh, what's on that record? They were doing like Sgt. Peppers. Okay. Does anybody really know what time it is with Chicago? Oh, yeah. Some Neil Sedaka stuff, just stuff of the era, you know, 67, 68, 69, 70, and then, then they were doing the music from the movie Hair. Yeah. And they were doing that as well. So my mom told me that I was almost born in, in Minneapolis. <laughs> they were playing at a Marriott in Minneapolis. My mom was pregnant like eight eight or nine wow. months. And, Real far and along, yeah. But she wanted me to be born in Houston where they were living and based out of. So they, she flew to Houston. Interesting. And uh, so I could be born here. And But yeah, that, so that's what they were doing at the time. They had a full band and continued doing that until, uh, and this is where I start my memory gets fuzzy but i think it was a handful of years after that that they stopped doing that and then that changed to like solo or i mean uh, acoustic stuff around houston okay you know like the steak and ale chain oh yeah i remember seeing musicians back yeah. there and i think was there like, was a group called popcorn back in the day that that was doing the steak and ale and that was like a good gig yeah like, for sure at the in the in that time that was like a that was like a good gig yeah from what i understand I miss steak and, and ale, by the way. Yeah, steak. Yeah, yeah. I think there's pictures of me eating escargot. Really, <laughs> I couldn't imagine me eating that now. <laughs> right, but there's pictures of me as because you didn't know what it was. Back right, then. right. Yeah, it's chicken. It's chicken, <laughs> Stacy. <laughs> right. <laughs> but even back then, I though I, as young as I was, I remember being like, even though it was my parents, it was like seeing them in the in the bar or, yeah. or playing live was captivating and. And so even at that early age, five, six-ish years old. You were getting turned on it to was that. Like, yeah. I thought, I knew it was cool. Yeah, for <laughs> and, sure. Yeah. So so I might be jumping ahead, but I, I, huh? knew, I knew that young that yeah. this was something that I would. Some wanna... people don't learn that till later, you know, in their teen yeah. years, that that's what they kind of want to do. Yeah. No, right? I knew right from the get-go. And it wasn't by any means like 
pushed on me. I mean, yeah. they, they would buy me these instruments and stuff, you know, with like toy versions of them, but because I asked. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Not because, you know, you're going to play guitar. Yep. I wanted that well, stuff. Well, it, it call, it's called exposing you to it, right? I mean, that's really right. what it is. It's, just, it's no different than, right. you know, I spent 17 years in professional hockey on the official side, right? And oh, wow. it's like you either, nobody ever pushed me to skate. Nobody ever pushed me to play an instrument. It was, it was just because those are the things that I wanted to do and I and I like to do. And it's funny that you said Neil Sadako because the song Laughter in the Rain comes to mind. One of the best and, modulations and ever. I thought, you know, for years, I thought that that was a female singing that song oh. because Neil Sadaka has a really high voice. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. But it's a great song, and I love it. So after, after high school, what kind of work were you doing then? Were you a musician right out of high school, or were you doing the odd jobs like we all do, you know, working in the, the restaurants? And that's kind of where I started. Like John Barrera and I used to work <laughs> at a restaurant together. Right? Oh, and well, that's, oh, you know, we go way back. We're like brothers from way back. But even as a musician, you know, I came up through working the little odd jobs. And I didn't know if you did the little odd jobs or if it was always, you just were always into the music thing. Uh, I had a, my very first job was in Katy at a 24-hour kind of coffee place called The Kettle. You remember The Kettle? Oh, yeah. It was on I-10. Oh, yeah. And I worked there, I think I lasted a week. Yeah. That's four <laughs> and, days longer than I thought it, you'd it, last. Right. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Yeah, I was there like a week or something like that. and and But I was in a band at the time. I had bands all through junior high and high school. But I wanted to make my own money so I could get like a certain guitar that I wanted. Absolutely. But, so after that week at the Kettle, um, I ended up getting a job at a Subway restaurant that was on Mason Road. And I was there for maybe a year, nine months to a year, somewhere okay. in there. And, and uh, that was the last kind of like, little job that I had uh, from there I actually my uh, the uh, bass player in the band I was in at the time he was doing AutoCAD okay with Lord Daniel the engineering company sure. and he because his dad was an engineer and he learned how to do AutoCAD which was still kind of new at the time it was just like 89 90 so he, they I used to go up to his work after hours and he would teach me AutoCAD like after everybody had left for the day and I learned just enough to like barely to get a job okay working for them so I got they got me on at a place called Gulf Interstate Engineering okay which is down by the Galleria yep and I was there for and this was right out of high school I was there for about a year and then that's that's when I met Kent Newman and everything went to hell yeah (laughs) then then life life collapsed around you (laughs) I'm glad he's not here to uh, to correct us on anything. He'll he'll listen he'll to correct. this podcast, and I'm sure roll over roll over in his bed uh, after he'll, he listens to it. He'll correct so. me at the next gig. Oh yeah, no, he seems no, like that kind he, of guy. No, he, uh, he in in, in uh, I say that jokingly, but yeah, he did have a, a a big part to play in what happened from that point yeah. till now. And we'll actually. and we'll we'll talk a little bit about that yeah, here yeah. shortly. So, would you say that? the music that your parents were playing was the music that just got you interested in being a musician altogether. Yeah, it was, it was the music, but it was also seeing them live and seeing their bands live. The vibe um, and everything was, that went it was, along with it. It was the, it was the actual, like the playing of the instruments that I was fascinated with. It was the singing that, that I loved. And also, you know, people giving applause and yeah. cheering and stuff. I thought that was awesome, you know, and, 
you know, I grew up on everything, whatever records they had, which was a vast collection of genres. I mean, yeah. everything from like early Chicago and Santana and the Beatles to Merle Haggard, George Jones, Marty Robbins. And then there were, there were, uh, and then like the singer songwriter, like the Neil Sedakas, the James Taylors. Sure. So it was just a real hodgepodge of music that I was surrounded. Very eclectic. Yeah. yeah and very... I dug it all yeah. until, you know, about 82 or 83 when I discovered Ozzy. Well, I should say I knew Kiss yeah. prior to that because yeah. my next door neighbor, who was four years older than me, had Kiss records. But all I knew of them was the makeup. Makeup, yeah. I didn't know that they played guitars and stuff. He just had these posters on his yeah. wall. I thought they, they may as well have been movie posters as sure. far as I knew. Yeah, but it was uh, the first record I ever bought with my own money, like from mowing the yard, mm-hmm. was Dire of a Madman. Wow. And that's when I started getting more into like rock and roll other than the records my parents had. Yeah. Because that's all I had access to until then. Sure. Like Donnie and Marie, you know, yeah. all this stuff, which I actually liked. Yeah. I, I still listen uh, to that kind of stuff, believe it or I not. I mean, it's old Leif Garrett, old yeah. uh, Sean Cassidy stuff. Like yeah. it's, yeah. it was just, it was what shaped me as a musician, even though a lot of people would look back and say, wait, you really listen to the Partridge family? I think I love you. I mean, that's a little hey. silly, Randy. It's like, but it wasn't silly no, back it, then. It's, it was no. good stuff. Yeah. You know? And, and thank God the, the other, they had records by the Carpenters and Absolutely. Barry Manilow and stuff like this, yep. which were actually great songs and, yep. you know, vocals. I mean, Karen Carpenter, come on, you know, and the, the I don't harmonies. think there's anybody better. No, uh, I mean, probably one of the greatest singers. Right. Ever. Right. And, and, uh, so it, it was every kind of music really was what we had in my parents' record collections and, because that's all I had to choose from to yep. listen to. I would just listen to that stuff over and over and over again. And, and then eventually that led to, you know, listening to something and trying to find the notes on the guitar, yeah. you know, that sort of thing, which led to you know, the instrumentation and all that. Yes. When did the journey out to L.A. take place? What took you to L.A.? That was more, uh, I say recently. I mean, that was in the end of 08. Okay, I was yes. thinking that was back in the day. No, I would well. have loved to have been out there back in the heyday. Yeah, uh, but no, this was uh, this was in the '08. I went out there to basically just to try something different. I didn't really have a band going on, and uh, I had just come out of some some personal stuff and thought at my uh, my uncle who had some uh, he'd offered me some work out there. So I was like, yeah, I'll go out there. And- Unrelated to music. Yeah. Right. Okay. But I was there two days and about as long as you were at the kettle runner <laughs> and connected with some friends of mine who had already lived out there I that you. I knew. And they were like, Hey, I got this going on. I got this going on. Why don't you come? You know, it's so literally like three days in LA I was playing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. So, and how long were you out there again? I was there three years, three years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Felt a lot longer. Yeah. I was there in LA. Like down, like in I lived, the city of LA. I lived or? at the corner of Melrose and Vine oh, next wow. door to Paramount Pictures. So I was in the, you were like in the hot smack bed. dab yeah. in the middle of Hollywood. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, some years back, I was consulting at Great Southern Music with Kevin and Justin Perry. Mm-hmm. And I somehow learned that your dad and Kevin used to play together. Talk, talk me a little bit through that relationship and where that kind of started up how did those guys find one another well 
you know, I, I don't know the whole story to that, but I know that Kevin was around in in my youth. Dad and Kevin had a a, a band together. They performed. They, I think they had a drummer and maybe another guitar player. I, uh, as a matter of fact, my, my very first electric guitar, my dad got from Kevin. Okay. So, and I can't remember my age. I, 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 I know I wasn't 13. I wasn't a teenager yet, but anyway, but yeah, so Kevin and dad, yeah, they had a band, they played around town and I, I believe they, some of the early versions of like dat tapes mm-hmm. to have like backing drums and stuff yeah. like that. I th- they were using that because really? they had like a, I know they had a duo for a while where Kevin was on bass. My dad sang and played guitar and they were using the, the, the old school dat tapes. Yeah for the rest of the music and yeah, they were just doing, you know, venues like, uh, you know, I think some restaurant type places, okay. and, but yeah. So Kevin and Cecilia yeah. and them um, and Justin, I remember Justin, being a little kid, two feet tall. Yeah. yeah. They were an extended part of the family sure. for a long time. I could and, imagine. And great people. And, and I love those guys. Well, I know Kevin, you know, over the years has done a ton of work in the shop with, you know, such greats as Clint Black. And Mm -hmm. I think he did some work with uh, ZZ Top and me, of course. I mean, you know, uh, (laughs) that rounds it out. (laughs) It does. (laughs) I mean, Clint Black, ZZ Top and Randy Holsey. I mean, what more could a guy ask for? That's a perfect resume. (laughs) No, but for those that don't know, Great Southern Music is an authorized dealer, Taylor Martin and, and Gibson Guitars and they're also a service center and hands down have been one of the top, you know, resellers in Texas over the years and certainly do great service work on the guitars. If oh, yeah. any guitarists are out there that don't have a place to take their stuff to get it worked on and tuned up, I highly recommend Kevin Perry there at Great Southern Music. Always I can't give him a mean, little love. You yeah, know? he's refretted several of my guitars over the years and always does a great job. Yeah. Now you you and your dad also played some shows together pre COVID, right? Or I'm trying to like we talked about before we kind of hit the record button here. My, my chronological memory absolutely sucks. I can't remember years. I can't remember dates. But Me neither. but but I think it was pre COVID that you and your dad had played a few shows together, right? Yeah, every now and then, whenever time allows, and if we're not you know on the other side of the state or something. Um, he st- he lives out in Katy. We've done some stuff acoustically and full band together, and with my mom as well. If she, you know, if if, if one of them is ever at any of the shows, especially if it's Shotgun Road, the country band, yeah, you know, I we can't go through a night without having them come up and sure do and something. Sit in. All right, yeah. yeah, yeah, or and my sisters for that fact, you yeah, know, they'll we'll get them up to sing on something. Or, That's cool. But yeah, whenever like we did, there's that place out here in Cypress, the, the Cypress Trail Hideout. Oh yeah. Papa Charlie's, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we've done some stuff over there, which Kevin Perry was out there for that. He and his family, yeah, we did some stuff at Moe's Irish Pub out in Katy yeah. when they were still doing music. We did a thing at Moe's place on Mason Road while I was living in L.A. I flew here and did a thing at Moe's. It was really thrown together, but it had like some really top-notch musicians, like Bubba Gould was on pedal oh, steel. Yeah. No Bubba. Um, yeah. Gosh, I can't. I'm, I'm he was associated up there at Great Southern Music for oh, a yeah, long time he, as yeah, well. Yeah, he was a staple with yeah. in in the scene. For, yeah. And, and uh, um, Mark Condit, no, no. Um, see, dad, dad was on rhythm guitar. I was on guitar. Friend Justin was on drums. 
my mind is uh, escaping me at the moment. We had a, the keyboard player, Skip Nalia. You know, Skip, no, he played know with Skip. Luther and the Healers for years and years okay. and years. Uh, he played keyboards. and So, yeah, whenever time allows, we'll... We'll love to, to to play together. When you get tired of Kent, you call Dad up and say, <laughs> "Get it, that guy to the curb right, for a little bit." Right. It, this, it, this is the Bash Kent session because <laughs> we love him. And Dad, you know, he does his own gigs around Katy. Uh, oh, does he? Yeah, he plays out at Midway Barbecue sometimes, and um, a place called Texas Traditions on Highway 90 in Old Katy. Okay, that's um, interesting because pre-COVID, I was also booked at Midway. Oh, really? They, uh, we, we negotiated everything, got like three dates on the calendar, and then COVID came around, and that was that. Never got to play out there. And oh, wow. I've just been so busy with now with the podcast and with plenty of shows to play and then trying to work a 40, 50-hour week, you right. know, doing what pays the mortgage. I, I just, I mean, I don't have time. But um, the food looks amazing. It like is amazing. The, oh, uh, yeah, it's really good. Kind yeah, of he, Katie Staples. Yeah, he plays out there with it. He's got a swing band, Texas swing band. Oh, does he? They do like all like Bob Wills, Sleep at the Wheel, really cool. Yeah. Technical. Yeah. Swing, jazzy Texas swing stuff, like chords that I can't even pronounce. And, right. And yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. I have to be on the lookout for, uh, does the band have a name? Yeah, they're called the the Swingin' On Band. Okay, Swingin' On. And they're just a okay. they're just a little trio. Okay, with a upright bass, and uh, Dad plays acoustic, and then they have a, a lead guy that does all the, the, the fills and the runs and stuff. That's and, a, that's and my a, mom's and my mom plays. She's not she's not in the in the music scene like you know bars and, and restaurants, but she's uh, one of the featured singers at uh, Ed Doctor Ed Young's uh, Second Baptist the Church, the thing. one out there yep. in Katy. Katy, uh, yeah off the feet or yeah she's she sings there and um and has a beautiful voice and should be singing more yeah in my opinion yeah sure well when you said the the trio with the upright bass it made me think a little bit i'm gonna have a guest on uh, i need to tack down the date but shake russell is gonna be on the show right and that's you know when i've seen shake play around town it's him and two other guys you know he played with i guess michael hearn for a long time and whatnot Dana uh, dana cooper yep so that'll that'll be cool. Now you spent time in both original and cover bands, correct? Right. Was it original first, and then you bled into cover later on? Is that kind of how it went down? Yeah, yeah. So in junior high, coming come you know coming out of junior high into high school, I mean I didn't know what a cover song was. I'd never heard the term. I mean I knew my parents and their bands and stuff had always played you know hits from the radio. I'd never heard the term cover before. I didn't sure. know what that meant. But, yeah, so in high school, it, me and some friends from uh, our – I went to Katy High School. Our rival high school was Taylor High School. And there was one other school in the Katy School District. Uh, there was Maid Creek. So Katy, yep. Taylor, and Maid Creek were the only three high schools. I think there's like 50 of them or something. <laughs> At least. But uh, so me and some friends that went to Taylor, we went to the same church together – uh, as kids and we started a band called recovery and uh you know we we weren't the best musicians you know by any means but we were determined like crazy and wrote and wrote and wrote and made we made a couple you know, tapes yeah, yeah but they were like 10 song tapes you know right, and we sure. had a bunch of and we played all over town I mean, just think back at, you know, 16, 17 years old, whatever we were, at the amount that we played, 
is kind of crazy when I think about it, which isn't often, but yeah, we, and, and our parents were, my parents, their parents were all real supportive. They would take us to the gigs in their cars. They'd yeah. take time off of work nice to t- get us where we needed to go. Let us rehearse in the house, you know, with, through PA, yeah. you know, they'd come home from work wanting to relax and we'd be in there banging on drums yeah. and loud guitars and they put up with it. And, um, yeah. So, and so we, yeah, we, all we did was music that we wrote, Yeah, whether it was good or not was up to whoever was hearing it, but, yeah. but we thought it was cool and we went out and played all over the place doing it, um, all the way up till 90 when that band, I had left that band. And some friends of mine that went to Maid Creek High School had a band called Arrival. And we used to play at this, like, teen community center in Katy. And, and, you know, I had gotten to know those guys. And so, anyway, flat, fast forward to, like, 90, 91, I ended up hooking up with those guys. And, okay. well, and that was an original band, too. But we had some covers in that, okay. in that, in that band just to fill a set time. Yep. And so that's... And it was with those guys that I had first ever gone to the Richmond Strip. I think it was 91. Okay. And that's where I saw, the first band I saw was Rat Ranch okay. at the Outback Pub. Yep. And I had no idea, outside of what my parents used to do when I was a kid, playing Chicago and all those bands, I didn't know that... There was a you, world out there to do that. Right. right? And here's this band that... Fairly making young, living, making a living, doing. Yeah, they were they were older than me, ha ha ha. But <laughs> but nonetheless, still young, yep. and playing four hours of music in in a packed bar mm-hmm. with a cool PA and cool lights and and songs that I knew from the radio for sure that I loved and and so it like that's when a light bulb kind of went off and saw that this this new world of like the, the cover scene because you know the original thing. You didn't make any money doing that. Yeah. Not any real money. Sure. You know. Um, and Not unless I, you got a record deal. Well, right? right. And I don't even remember us even thinking that far at the time. It was just, we were just writing stuff that we thought was cool. Yeah. And we'd go you play. And, and if it. we got 50 bucks to split between us and we'd all go in with 10 bucks or Your something. Your money. <laughs> that was right. Right. And yeah. that's all that we really cared about. But um, so it was right about 91, I think, when I kind of started thinking wow well you know i these guys are making money yeah and doing all the stuff that people already love yeah, like we they, don't even have to develop a following yeah for this, they were right? doing like rush and you know these kind of songs and yep. stuff that i loved but i had never dreamt about like playing a night of stuff from the radio exactly so that's kind of where the, like the cover thing, yeah, entered my picture. So, so Kent had, was a little instrumental in turning you <laughs> onto that whole thing, right? So, okay, so what happened was me and some friends we'd go out and see Rat Ranch a couple, and there were some other bands that we saw that were doing this the same kind of thing, not the same music, but playing four hours cover, on Richmond yeah. Strip to packed houses, and they sounded good. And so, I I was at this time I was still working for that engineering company, and because I was doing computer-aided drafting, I made up some of my own business cards. Okay. Put my name, uh, I think I put drummer, guitarist, bass player, and then my phone number. And I had never played drums in a band. (laughs) I had never played bass in a band. I had only played guitar in my little original band. But I thought, 
I can play. You know, but I always had drums at home, but I'd yeah. never been in a band. Well, if you hit drummer. if you hit one one time, you've played the drums, <laughs> right. right? I mean, right. technically, <laughs> right. right? So, uh, so I made up these cards because I wanted to get my foot in that scene, yeah, somehow. But I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to put the band together, much less how to get booked into a place. So, I my memory is that I gave one of those cards to Kent. Okay, introduced myself, said here. I play drums, bass, and guitar. If you know anybody that needs somebody that's doing what y'all are doing, give them my information. <laughs> and and I think that somehow got into the hands of their then drummer, John Hill. Okay. And there was this band called World Edge, who I had seen at Outback also, that played very similar music to Rat Ranch. And somehow that card wound up in the hands of the guys in World Edge okay. who needed a drummer. Because their drummer had just left, who was the original drummer from Rat Ranch. <laughs> okay. Interesting. They called me up, said, hey, we got your card from somebody in Rat Ranch, and we need a drummer. And, and, row. <laughs> and, and I'm like, and they've given me all these songs that they play. I'd never played any of those songs. I'd never, I'd never played drums in a band. I didn't even have a drum set. <laughs> so my buddy Tracy, who was the drummer in Arrival, the band that I was playing with prior to, let me borrow his drum set to go and audition. And I get to the audition. I find out they don't have a bass player. It's all sequenced bass. So I have to play the click track to every single song. How do you even improvise something? Like I, like, I can't man. even imagine like going like, no. And I'm like this too. I'm, I'm watching Tina mouth <laughs> over here at me. And I'm like, I'm an improviser too. Like I can, I can get myself out of jams, but if I said I'm a drummer and had to actually go and <laughs> In audition, like, how do you even, how do you improvise that? Like, not even knowing, Man, right? I, I don't, like, that's, I re- that, I'm impressed. I'm just, I, I'm just well, asking. Right? I remember <laughs> being, I remember thinking, what did I get myself into? Sure. I do remember I would think that, so. having that feeling because <laughs> right. I had to borrow the drums okay. and go over to their rehearsal place. I remember even like having trouble setting up the drums, like what goes where. I mean, right. I was that green and, you know, I put on a set of headphones and I'm hearing, you know, and, 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 and starting, and they're starting like, uh, I think the first song we did was a logical song by Supertramp. Yeah. I had never played it. I'm just, I'm playing off just what my memory of how it went on the radio. <laughs> wow. And somehow I got through like 20, 18, 20 songs with them without like having to stop. And it just, I, I don't. That's, I don't know how. That's pretty impressive. The story I, is stressing me out, though. Like, as I sit here and listen, my, my palms are sweating. Like, how is this guy pulling this off? It was crazy. And I got the job. They said, you want it? And we're, you know, we're playing, like, this Friday night at, you know, at our very first, my first show was with them was at Dave & Buster's on Richmond. Wow. In their little showroom there. Yeah. And they had, like, this full calendar. They're playing every weekend and then some. And I went home with Tracy's drums and I would shed it a little bit. <laughs> and once they gave me the complete set list and that was off to the races and I played with them for, that's when I'm, that's where I met Tina. Was okay. in <laughs> By this point, it had just become like 92. This was because yeah. all this went down like around the end of 91. Okay. So it was now into the early uh, months of 92. And I played with them for, I think about a year and a half or something like that. So you, you went from, not even knowing how to play the drums to being fully booked in places like Dave and Buster's within yeah. and playing a to show. a click track every single show. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. I mean, I was basically pretty much thrown to the lines off. I'll the, say, yeah, right that, off the bat. 
but it you know and i swear i swear this i don't mean it like it just it wasn't hard i yeah. mean it just i guess i just took to it pretty easily yeah. and and you know and all the songs that were in their song list i i knew yeah from hearing them so many times on the radio and stuff so I kind of knew how they went. I mean, yeah. if I had to learn anything, really, it was just kind of like how they ended the song. Yeah. If it was a fade out or something, like yeah. how to do a live ending. Little things like that we ironed out in rehearsal that week before the first show. But, um, so, yeah, I played with them for about a year, and year and a half, maybe. And then I got an offer from it. There was another band called The Limos that was playing all the same circuit at mm-hmm. the time. But I knew that they were making more money. And they needed a bass player. I had never played bass in a band before. <laughs> I'm starting to see a pathological liar in Stacy Steele here, people. So uh, anyway, well, I was just don't young. believe anything this guy says. <laughs> I was just young and, and hungry. I mean, you, you wanted to get it, yeah. And and so I knew that they made more money. They were the limos were had a bigger following and made more money and stuff. And when they needed a bass player, and I got to talking with them about it. I jumped at that. More money, more people at the gigs, you know. And then that lasted for a little while, and it had a blast That's in cool. that band. A total blast That's in that cool. band. But it was just a different kind of, the songs were different. Right. And we partied, man. Yeah. That was another big difference. We partied and maybe didn't take our musicianship as seriously as the World Edge guys did. Yeah. There was, like, no partying in that band. They and were for real. We were, yeah, we were young drank our butts off yeah you know and so the limos was just let's go out and have fun 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 and party party and that's that was the big difference between but uh and that was a fun band and and then that just started a whole like kind of i would jump from that point to another band another band doing it all these years later so tina did he tell you he was an astronaut too like he said he was a bass player and a drummer and he wasn't at the time i didn't know if he like his pickup line was like, uh, Hey, I'm an astronaut. (laughs) We'll talk, we'll talk offline about that. You had even gone up to Dallas, I think, and joined up with Randy St. John, former drummer for sweet savage. And then I think Mastin Walker was in this band called mind, body, soul. Correct. Right. So, okay, so we fast forward after the limos. There were a couple other bands that I played with during that time, and then uh, I had played with a band called Toy Subs for a while. And, and that was uh, like 96, 97. And when the Toy Subs thing came to an end for me, that's when I ran into, just by chance, I was somewhere and I ran into Mastin. And I had known him from the old, like the backstage club. Yeah, sure. On Bissonette, uh, yep. he had a band called Bang Bang. Okay, which I, I used to go watch them a lot, and uh, I ran into him somewhere. I think it might have been Sam's boat on Richmond. But anyway, he said, "Hey, I'm going to be moving up to Dallas. I'm doing a solo out, my first solo album." And Randy St. John, who was also the drummer in Bang Bang after Sweet Savage, he said he's going to he's going to play drums, and we have this guy Dave Heinemann, who was at the time in a band called Solinger with Johnny Solinger, who later on went to Skid Row. Yep. This was prior to that. Anyway, he said, you want to play bass? And I'd just gotten out of toy subs and I didn't have a gig. And I, I was like, oh my God, moved to Dallas. Wow. Uh, and I just said, okay. <laughs> you know, cause these were guys that I kind of, you know, 
at one point I was like, that'd be cool to play with them. Yeah, sure. When I was younger. And he gave me a, a copy of his solo material that he had recorded up in Dallas. This, the music was already done. Mm-hmm. He had session players and Randy did all the music. I listened to it. I thought it was good. It was kind of uh, more acoustic-based. It wasn't as heavy as the Bang Bang Sweet Savage stuff mm-hmm. was. But it was good and catchy. So I said, yeah, I'll go. So literally, I think within a week, we packed all of our stuff and went up to uh, Dallas. Randy already had a house in Lower Greenville. And uh, Massa and I stayed in a hotel for a couple weeks until we found an apartment. And and we worked up all this material and, and pretty instantly started doing shows just because they already had a reputation. Okay. Uh, their names, they were just, they were able to get gigs at, at the places in like down in uh, Deep Ellum. And yeah. So we pretty much right off the bat were, were gigging, doing only original stuff, okay. Mastin's original songs. Yeah. And then that evolved over time into we started writing as a band. And at that time... We had, I, get, I think it's because I came into the picture. We got heavier. The stuff we were writing together was more heavy. And then we, that's when we decided to change the name. Because when I went up there, it was just the Maston Thomas Walker Band. That's what it was called. And then we decided, oh, well, since these songs that we're, that we're doing now, we've all written together, we need to have a, like a band name. Yeah. And we came up with, well, they, <laughs> Maston had had a short lived band called Mind, Body, Soul that lasted about the blink of an eye. Yeah. And I always thought that was a cool name. And I think, I remember, I, I think I was the one that suggested, why don't we bring that name back? And everybody seemed to agree. So yeah. that's that's what we went with. And we made a, an EP. Yeah. Which uh, we did with Ty Tabor from King's X. We, Mastin was buddies with him and brought him into the picture. And so we made a, uh, the, our first EP was called Mind, Body, Soul. Okay. And it was, uh, I think, four or six songs or something. That, and that's so that's what started that whole thing. Now, it was my understanding, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it was my understanding that you guys might have been on the verge of a, a record deal, and it turned out to be a little elusive. Is that, is that correct, or is that, well, am I off base there? Yeah, well, there were a few things like that that happened in that band, but... And, I think Ty was kind of helping us, you know, getting it into some people's hands that we wouldn't have had access to. So there were some moments where there were some phone calls and some interest, and we did some uh, showcases uh, up in Dallas, but nothing ever panned out. Sure. But there were some inklings of uh, some moments that we got excited about, you know, something so-and-so is interested in. But it it wasn't until later there was another band that I had. I guess we'll get to that, uh, that a lot closer to that but uh yeah but that was a fun band and we ended up making another full-length cd about a year later that had 14 songs that we did up in dallas with uh eric delagard who did the bowling for soup albums okay and uh, at his studio up in denton they were big back in the 90s right was, yeah. was that time frame right the 90s yeah, or yeah. the 2000 early 2000s yeah they were kind of in there with that green day some 41 kind of vibe yeah um great band and uh so yeah mind body soul went on for about three or four years and you know nothing really happened though any bigger than us just playing regionally around texas i ended up moving back to houston i had left the band and moved back to houston and got back into the cover thing yeah and pretty much haven't looked back well that well there was a 
I guess we'll get to that. I had another original band after that that had some success, and uh, but I've pretty much been doing the cover thing since since one yeah now with mind body soul you guys recorded a song called robert we're going to take a listen to a clip of that song and then we'll come back and chat a little bit about it Now, so that was a song called Robert uh, mm-hmm. by Mind, Body, Soul. Was this a song that was written by Mastin, or was this a collaborative effort with you and Randy and the band? Was this song written pre you joining up with these guys? No, that was something that we wrote. Um, my recollection is that I, I had the music. I had written a guitar riff and gave it to Mastin. And we had one of those, remember those old those Fostex? Oh yeah, the, the four, four track, four track. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. the cassette. And, yeah, I had one of those that was Mastin's, but I, I'd kind of taken possession of it and, <laughs> and a drum machine. And yeah, so I, I, I seem to remember. Yeah, I, I came up with the, the, the riff for that and just did like a basic, just a kick snare, something to keep time, and gave it to Mastin. He wrote the lyrics, and it was about his brother and. Then gave that to Randy. Randy came up with the drums. So that was that was actually that was me on bass, Randy on drums, Ty Tabor on the guitars, and Mastin on vocals and rhythm guitar on that track that you just played. And uh, that was actually done at Ty's house out in Katy when he used to live in Katy. Okay, and where is he day. at? Where is he at? I, I believe he's in Missouri now. Okay, Ty. Yeah, I yeah. think he's in Missouri. Okay, yeah, but he used to live in my old neighborhood in oh, did Katy. He? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I remember being um, right when uh, Terry and I were, I think it was our other house. I had taken uh, a second job to try to put some money together. We were young at the time. And um, I took a job at Sound Warehouse mm-hmm. on uh, Derry Ashford and I, I think Sound where uh, I think it was Westheimer. And Doug used to come in. King's ex Doug used to come in. In fact, I think up in my, in my, I have a memorabilia autograph memorabilia room upstairs uh-huh. and i think the the gretchen album is he signed it for me when i was at sound warehouse i think i still have it up there but uh, that that was cool. my 
the first time I was starting to hear about King's X and whatnot. Awesome. Yeah, they're a great band. Great guys. There was also another song that you guys did called B, like B-E. Mm-hmm. We'll take a quick listen to that and then come back and chat about that song. Cool. Now that one got a little heavy there, yeah, right? That, I was just hearing that. I was like, that's heavier than I remember it being. <laughs> I haven't listened to that in a long time. Yeah, that's pretty heavy. Was that one more in line with what Mind, Body, and Soul was as a band? Yeah. Uh, a little on the heavy edge. Now, were you were you always a heavy guy? I mean, I, I we, we talked about, you know, the Partridge family and things like oh, that yeah. kind of jokingly, but... Yeah. We're, we're, at heart, are you a, a heavy rock guy? Is that oh, I, who you are? I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at that time, see, that would have been 99, I believe. or It was 99 or 2000 when that was made. Part of it was trying to keep up with, be competitive with the music of the time, too. Because yeah. you had, like, you know, Limp Bizkit and yeah. Lincoln rap Park rock, and all that kind rock. of stuff was really big at the time. And we were all digging a lot of that stuff. And so we were... And, and Sweet Savage and Bang Bang, you know, those bands, they were pretty heavy at their time as well. And so yeah. we all had that in us. I think I might have been the one that kind of pushed that, if I remember correctly. But everybody was on board. Yeah, I think we all had the same vibe. So, yeah, that was uh, pretty much what we were going for, that heavy kind of in-your-face. Yeah. You talked about Limp Biscuit, and, you know, I, I guess um – some of the, the rap rock is what I call it. Maybe it's a different genre, the kid rock. You know, it's it's rock, but it's it has some yeah, that's some rap right. in it, if you will. But there was also a track called Ode to Pain. Right. And I think that that kind of falls into that. Uh, it had some rap in there, right? That was, um, and that, who, who, that was was, our, who was doing the rapping? Who was the... That was Mastin. That, really? That was our attempt at, at doing something that was in that, that, that ballpark. Okay. But that's a really cool song, though, because... Uh, this one I, I really like because uh, Ty did the guitar solo on this song. Okay. He did a few of them on this album. He recorded it and mixed it and engineered it. And so while he was doing that, we were like, hey, you want to do some solos on some of these songs? And yeah. he, he was like, yeah, sure. You know, 
I think he went back and he had, like later on he heard he was like, oh god, I was so out of tune. I, <laughs> I, I didn't really hear it. I think they sound great. I didn't pick uh, it up. Like I listened I, to it a few times and I didn't I didn't pick up well, on it. What, well, what well, was, that's nitpicking, isn't it? Yeah, I would think so. Like uh, that's being critical. And my mom always said, you know, if you can't say anything nice, right? <laughs> but that was cool. That was really cool for us, you know, to have him play on the album. You know, well, how, what, what was what was the connection with Ty Tabor? Who had that connection with him? And was this at the height of King's X oh, they popularity were, and whatnot? Yeah, they were. Yeah, this was, you know, at the end of the 90s, uh, like I said, 99, 2000, they were doing well. Um, and, you know, being Houston guys, mm-hmm. and we were Houston guys, I mean, Mastin and Randy knew them from the scene better than I did. Okay. I just knew them because, I, you know, they were from Katy, and I lived in Katy, and yeah. it was just there. I think – I. <laughs> I seem to remember it was as simple as Mastin like called Ty one day and said, "Hey, dude, we're doing an album. Would you like to be part of it with us? If you have some downtime." And it was like, "Okay." I, I, I think it was as simple as that. Wow! Literally, we'll we'll queue we'll up. I've got that queued up, and we'll take a a listen to this. This is a song called "Ode to Pain," like O D E Ode to Pain. Correct. Right. Okay. Take a listen to that real quick. That's a good driving song there. I, I like that. I, and kind of funny, I listened to that a, a couple of times, but I really got into it just then. That's a cool song. And yeah, I don't think he was – I didn't hear anything out of tune about his rap. So, yeah. I mean, I, it sounded good. It yeah, really no, did. it's – again, yeah, that sounds a lot heavier than uh, than I remember it. Yeah, that was fun because we – another thing at the time when we were doing that, we were kind of between – like Dave Heineman, the guitar player that we had had at the time, he had another band called Solinger, and they were playing this. It was like us, Solinger, and Drowning Bull. Oh yeah! Before they got their deal, yeah, we were all doing the same circuit and a lot of the shows together. There'd be like all three of us in one oh, no show. Kidding. Yeah, so we didn't have a guitar player at the time. So that whole album, I actually did bass and the guitar. I didn't. Ty did the solos. I didn't play any of the guitar solos, but uh, Randy on drums. And I played bass and guitar, and then we ended up getting a bass player named Michael Hildebrandt that joined right after that was made. Uh, no, no, no. We got a guitar player named Joey Otto. 
I went to bass, Joey Otto played guitar, and then we got another member changed right as we were making the next, the, the full album. A guy named Michael Hildebrandt, who had played with Mastin and Randy in a band called Torrid Affair, which was a Dallas-based band that was around for a little while. Okay. So, yeah, that was a fun period, though. I mean, again, you know, we were, you know, an all-original band, and we were out just doing a ton of shows around Dallas, and, and we'd come to Houston often and play down here. Did some stuff with King's X, and it, it was a, it was fun. It was a, we had a great time. Now, I don't know, I personally don't know uh, Mastin Walker, but if my memory serves me correctly, he and Randy St. John are either currently in a band called the Swamp Hippies, or was that an older band that's not together anymore? No, what, that's current. That is current. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're still active, and are they playing around anywhere? I, I think they're about to. I think okay. during COVID, they were getting together while everything was shut down and working on songs. They, they've got, uh, I believe, our, our friend Jeff Clifton, I think, is playing bass with them. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. He was at one time, but... All original stuff, I'm, I'm oh, yeah, assuming. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. If they do any cover stuff at all, it might be like one one or two songs. I, I know we used to do, uh, we did a version of uh, Long Train Running. Oh, yeah. Maybe and, brothers. Uh, whenever we would do like an acoustic thing, yeah. we needed to fill time. Yeah. We threw that in, and I think we did, um, oh, like a Three Dog Night song. Yeah. Or I can't remember. Okay. But, uh, so yeah, yeah, they, uh, they're doing Swamp Hippies, and, and I think they're going to be playing out soon. Okay. I saw Joey uh, Joey Jones play at, I think it was the Concert Pub North a few years back. I was there, and Randy was there, and I think even Mastin was in attendance. Probably. And I know Randy got up and jammed with Joey. I don't remember if Mastin... Oh, I take that back. I think they opened for Joey is what the, the deal was. Swamp Hippies had opened for him. Probably. That and, would then, and then... When Joey came on, I think Randy went up on stage at some point in time and played a song with Joey, if if my memory serves me oh, correctly. But, but that, sure, that was yeah. my that was my first exposure to Swamp Hippies, right? I hadn't heard okay. of them before that, and I didn't know Mastin, but that's when I heard of him is yeah. is it that particular show? Yeah. Now you are now very active in a multitude of projects so many I bet you even forget which ones you're in sometimes but let me try to walk through them so you've got you've got Shotgun Road which is the country cover band you've got Diamond Jack which is the 70s band you've got Mr. Wonderful that's the 80s band Mm -hmm. you've got uh, Newman Steel um, as the duo and then you're also playing some solo shows so what's that five five projects am i spot on or did i miss them there (laughs) that's 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 pretty much it okay yeah um which of those projects do you feel like is your favorite like what what of the music and and i'm not talking about musicianship because i know they have different players in each one just from a maybe a genre and song that's that's why I'm asking. Like, which which yeah. songs are your favorites to do? Is it the '70s, the '80s, and or the country stuff? Right? It honestly depends on what day you ask me. Yeah, I mean, it. I love them all. They're all fun. You know, Mister Wonderful's our newest band, I mean, that's a whole lot of fun. I play bass and sing in that one with uh, Kent Newman on guitar and uh, Rick Valdez from Right Ranch. We yeah. we got him on drums now. That's a real fun band, and uh, yeah, the Diamond Jack. Uh, 70s band is a lot of fun. I play drums in that group. It honestly is one of those things where you, it just depends on what day you ask me that question. I mean, uh, 
the band that wears me out the most is Diamond Jack. Yeah. Be, playing drums in that band. And, you know, because we're doing Boston and yeah. sticks and a lot of kind of technical stuff that's, yep. I'm worn out by the end of those shows. But I have as much fun playing in that band as I do in the other two. Yeah. Now, I guess you guys just added Rick back recently. This interview won't air for a little while because of editing purposes, but you guys, you were you were playing drums originally for Mr. Wonderful and then came out to bass guitar. Is that cr- no, Originally, correct? I was the bass player. When we first started, when we first started, I was the bass player, and we had uh, Johnny Simmons on drums okay. who plays with the Rickies and was in Toy Subs. And, um, and because... Mr. Wonderful and the Rickies kept getting booked on the same night. It just wasn't working out. We had to be able to play. And so I went to drums, and we got Scott Madigan, who's in our other two bands, yep. to play bass. And I went to drums. Okay. And that lasted a handful of months. And uh, Scott decided he didn't want to do that anymore. He just wanted to do Shotgun Road and, and uh, Diamond Jack. So when it came time to look for another member, I, it, we weren't sure if I was going to stay on drums and get a bass player or if I was going to go to bass. And But uh, Kent had been talking to Rick, and Rick had expressed some interest in wanting to get back playing again. Yeah. And so, long story short, you know, Rick came into the band, so I went back to bass. Okay. And I have just as much fun. It really doesn't matter which instrument I'm playing in which band. I, I enjoy doing them all. The good thing is... Is it all three of those bands? We play our song lists are made up of songs that we want to do. Yeah, they're not made up of songs that we feel the audience wants to hear. Like, like we're not playing what people think we should be playing or right. the current hits of today, and or trying to reach like the younger people. With you're room. playing what resonates we're with playing, you guys. Yeah, we're playing what makes us happy, and thankfully. It's it makes other people happy too, and we're able to have a nice full schedule with those three bands, and we're working without having to compromise uh, playing songs that. Not that there's not good stuff out there today, but you know, we're we're playing what we want to do, and, well, you, and so that's that's one of the biggest reasons that I have so much fun with those bands. Aside from everybody being great musicians and yeah. and funny as hell, yeah, you know, <laughs> you have to play the songs that you love. Because you can't deliver the songs if you don't. That's a conversation that I have with Terry all the time. She's like, oh, well, you're playing this place. I think you should play these songs. And I'm like, it doesn't work like that, right? I I understand where you're coming from. But if I'm not feeling those songs, I can't deliver those songs, right? right. I I have to first love them and want to play them that night for myself. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we kind of work it from there, right? I just can't go play stuff that I, that I just don't feel right. Right. And we've all done that in, you know, over the years, you know, you're playing songs that you don't necessarily want to play and you got to sell it like you're enjoying it. it. Yeah. Right. And, but this is the first, or I said, these are the first bands I've been in that I can remember that not one song in the set list I can look at and go, this sucks. You I don't know, want to play this. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. They're all fun songs that, that we picked because we liked them. Well, Diamond Jack is for me, head and shoulders. That's, that's my favorite. I've, I've seen, I haven't seen Shotgun Road yet, but I didn't come up as a country guy either. I've, 
I've de- developed a country taste over the years because I'm a solo artist and I have to be a little more diverse than just one genre, right? You got to break out of that one genre kind of delivery. Right. So I've learned a bunch of Americana and, and, and country and whatnot, but I think the seventies just resonates with me. That's what shaped me as a musician. That's, you know, 76, 77, 78. Those are, those were the years for me that formed me as right. a musician. So the uh, the stuff that Diamond Jack is playing, just like it it hits it it hits. Those are the straight from the heart songs for me. I have a mentor that got me into playing. I I idolized the guy. Was kind of the reason I ever even got into music. But I took him out to see you guys play. It was the first night that Mike joined you guys. It was out in Richmond. I can't remember the name of the the place, but it was the first night he played keyboards with hmm. you guys and. And my buddy Mark was there with me, and he's like, "Oh, Scotty's, yeah, Scotty's Scotty Saloon, yes, yeah, Scotty yeah, Saloon." Right. And uh, and my buddy Mark was like, "Wow, you know, mm-hmm. those, those guys were spot on." And he really, he really enjoyed that. Like, and he's an, yeah. he's an old uh, kind of a he's played stages with Jerry Jeff Walker and Loretta Lynn, Dottie oh, cool. West. You know, I mean, he goes way back, right? And uh, awesome. he was he was really into to what you guys were doing with Diamond Jack. As far as gear goes, now, like, you're a multi-instrumentalist. Is there is there an instrument that just does it for you over the other instrument? Like, like there's this instrument, and then there's the other ones. You play the other ones, too. Like, would you say you're a bass player before a drummer or a drummer before a bass player or huh. a guitarist? Like, talk to me about that. I get that question a lot, and it's always hard to answer, but I think if I'm – completely honest with myself about it i think i'm a bass i think i'm better at bass than i am at the other two instruments drums and guitar okay just because it's like a combination of both you know it's percussive yeah like a drums rhythm section yeah and yet it's there are musical notes strings like a guitar so it's kind of for me it's the best of both worlds i get to play the rhythm yeah while playing musical notes on strings as well so it's i think i take the bass better i've been playing i mean i started on drums you know if you go back to my childhood drum sets are what i had you know more of than anything else i didn't have a i didn't own a bass until i was an adult yeah (laughs) so and rhythm you know guitar i'm more of a rhythm guy i'm i'm not a big solo guy yeah i can tinker around with some lead stuff but I don't consider myself a, a lead guitar player. I can sit down and learn something if I have to. Yeah. But but you don't have to when you play with guys like Kent. Well, you know, right. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. That yeah. have that I'm, covered for I'm you. I'm not even going to go there. Right. Exactly. So I yeah and uh, and as far as drums go, you know, I'm not a flashy drummer guy. I um, I'm not super technical. I I think I can hold hold the beat down and you sure. Know, I, I'm I think I'm more of a Dave Grohl kind of guy than yeah. I am. A, like a, a Neil Pert or something, yeah, you know, sure. I, I don't have the technical chops, um, but I like to just pound. And so in diamond Jack, the kind of stuff we do allows me to do that. Even though, even though we, we play, you know, Boston and some of that stuff is not very easy to play. So, I mean, I mean, I, I do have to pay attention to yeah. what I'm doing, but exactly. Um, well, but I, I think bass is my, like my, if I had, that's, interesting. I, that's yeah. my desert Island instrument. I yeah. guess if I was honest with myself, I mean, well, I came, I came up 
as a a classical taught pianist. And that's kind of where my music started. And when I came to the realization that, okay, you're a late teenager now, um, you're not going to go to, you can't, first of all, you can't take a piano to a party. Uh, <laughs> second of all, uh, the, you're not going to impress the girls playing, you know, Bach and Beethoven. So you've, you've got to change it up a little bit, right? That's the wrong so person. I, uh, so I, I, back then I was getting into, you know, uh, Motley and, you know, a lot of those bands and I was always a big Nikki six fan. I, I mm-hmm. thought that, you know, the, the, the sleaze and the sexiness of the bass was cool. So I went out to Evans right. music city on Westheimer, bought my first bass guitar did you get and, a warlock? <laughs> it was a beast. It, it, it was, it was <laughs> no, I did not like Nicky's, okay. but, uh, I, I did get a, uh, I think the only thing I could afford at the time was like a, it was a PVT 40 or something like uh, that. And, uh, I think those were, were they heavy? That was like a natural wood finish thing, okay. like weighed about 733 right. pounds right. or something. Like I, I was so small, like I needed like, a some structure to hold me up with the guitar. Right. I think like I was that small back right. then. But yeah, I mean, the, the bass was always like cool for me, but then I realized real quick, like, man, I can't even strum any chords and sing along with this. So I wound up getting rid of the bass and getting my first acoustic guitar. And then that was the onset of, of the acoustic thing for me. And I've always, you know, I played in some rock bands back in the eighties, some rhythm guitar on the electric, but I, I would never even call myself an electric player, right? I'm, I'm just an acoustic guy. Then that's what I gravitated to over the years doing a lot of the singer songwriter stuff like Fogelberg yeah. and James yeah. Taylor and things like that. I was kind of the opposite. I was more of an electric player. And then, you know, when I would be between bands, I would do solo stuff and had to learn how to play the acoustic yeah. versus the way you would play an electric, which to me are completely different. Yeah. Uh, I think I got my acoustic style from my dad, who's a hell of a finger picker. Um, Travis type picker oh, or whatever. Well, I mean, it, flat it just, picker. It was really good with chords. Okay. And uh, I think I got my playing style from that. But, and I gravitate, if I'm playing acoustic, I gravitate to like what you were saying, the the, the kind of the balladeers, the, yeah. se- the 70s singer songwriter yes. kind of people. Yep. So I, whenever I do play solo these days, which is kind of rare, but I love to play that kind of stuff. Yeah. And as well as the country licks and yep. that kind of stuff, I, I love playing that. I I don't, I haven't had any reason to play rock electric guitar in yeah. a while. So because I play, the only band I play electric guitar in is Shotgun Road, which does all '80s and '90s country, and I'm uh, just rhythm at that. Yeah, um, but I still have fun with it. You yeah. Know? I haven't seen of all of those projects that you have going on. I haven't seen you solo. What kind of stuff are you doing solo? You, I mean, you talked about country stuff and singer songwriter, but mm-hmm. but drop a couple of names of some some of the cover stuff that you're doing. Oh, John Denver, Denver, okay, Little River Band, yeah, Beatles, okay. a lot of Beatles. Okay. I probably have forty Beatles songs in my. I could do a whole night of Beatles. No kidding. Um, yeah, yeah, James Taylor, and then I'll I'll kind of do my own kind of stripped down version. You know, as a solo, I'll, I'll take stuff like uh, Carry On Wayward Son. Um, I don't use loopers, yeah, or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I do, I do have a vocal harmony pedal that every now and then, like on an Eagles song or something, I'll, yes, I'll kick I'll it, hit in. it, yeah. But I know when I play solo, it's just me and my acoustic, no, no drum machines, no, like I said, no loopers or anything. Yeah. Is that the TC Helicon that yeah. you use, the Harmony Singer? Yeah, I think Love it's the Harmony is. G. I think it's okay. called. Yeah, yeah, and 
you know, it, it, it sounds great. You know, you can do Hotel California and yeah. kick into it in the in the chorus, and it yeah. sounds like you got five guys singing up there with you. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I guess some people might look. It's you know, I'm not a big backing track kind of guy. I always said, you know, if if I'm going to go out and play, it's just going to be me and the guitar. But you want to add a little bit of flavor to it, right? And I think that 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 pedal uh, adds just enough flavor to it that it's not yeah. overbearing and you use it sparingly like you don't use it in every song yeah. like you know the eagle stuff and and whatever but it it, yeah. it resonates really nice in yeah. like i do lion eyes and um take it easy and i mean just yeah. the a few of the hits in that like it and it just sounds like wow i mean i can see people turn around at the shows like yeah right wait wait a minute like where did all the vocals come from all of yeah. a sudden they don't understand that you know it's it's on my feet, right. I'm working it with my feet or whatever. I use it when I do uh, El Paso by Marty Robbins. Okay. I'll do I'll do the whole like you know eight minute version of and yeah and uh, I'll use it on that. Okay, people kind of trip out something like it. That it is sounds pretty really cool. cool yeah, I love that. I've I've been using that one for four or five years now. But bass guitar of choice, like what what is your go? What what's the brand of bass that you're playing? And you might have multiple basses, but what's the working guitar right uh, now? It's a Spectre. Okay. A five string Spectre that I use in Mr. Wonderful. I've had P basses. I had, you know, back in all through the 90s when I was playing bass back then, it was uh, the Sound Gear, the Ibanez Sound Gear, because they had the real thin necks that were kind of more like a guitar. But currently, all I play is a Spectre. Okay. And what about electric uh, guitar of choice? Is it I'm a Tele? Tele guy. Tele, yeah. yeah. I have whittled it down, but I had like 16 or something. Um, you should never whittle any any good. I don't want to. I don't want to hear this. There story, were so many. I, well, I know there were just so many that just never didn't get used. And, yeah, I get so it. now I'm down. I've got six tellies now, and and I have three that are that are I go back and forth as my go tos. I've got an American special tobacco burst that I use, and then I have a, a you know all Fender. I have one that's a red sparkle that was a Squire, but I replace the pickups with uh the fender custom shop texas special pickups and uh and uh and then i've got another uh butterscotch telly that okay so those are like my three main ones for shotgun road okay and i've got some other ones that, that pretty much never leave the house but i've got and, one and it's an orange one that's the only yeah. i only have one telly but I, I love the you know my son and I my son Brandon plays some shows with me and he's a Strat guy he's a big Stevie Ray Vaughan oh, right. guy and uh, there's always the the debate like you know leave that Strat at home and play something that stays in tune come play my telly you know? so we <laughs> right. we we go back and forth on that but what about acoustic working acoustic guitar now I think if I remember correctly you play Breedlove is that is that correct or do you yeah. have other guitars that you play on stage with or is that kind of your go-to yeah I've got two Breedloves that I use and prior to that I was uh I had um a shallow body ovation the celebrity kind of like the, the Richie Sambora kind of you know but it uh you know I don't remember why oh, oh and I was also a Larrabee guy for a while okay and uh, that guitar got ruined, <laughs> and so I found a uh, shopping at Guitar Center one day, a handful of years ago. I saw a Breedlove on the wall, and I'd heard of them, but I didn't know much about them. And mm-hmm. I just grabbed it and started playing on it, and it just the neck felt great, the sound was great. Plugged it into a little Fishman amp, and it just sounded huge. Yeah, and got it. It's there. I, I forget the the model. 
off the top of my head. It was like the it's like the seven hundred dollar one. It's okay. it's a it's a like a lower yeah a lower line, but um, it's been great live, and I have two of those, and uh, I I don't even use amps anymore. I mean, my 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 rig for Shotgun Road is just a it's uh the uh, it's called the uh, Atomic <clears throat> Amplifier. Okay, uh, it's the A M P L I F I R E. Yeah, it's a little twelve. 12 channel um pedal board okay that you know in that band i only use four tones i just use a clean a dirty a twang and then a a little like a more of like a angus young distortion okay. for one of the songs that we do so unlike kent who needs several different patches you know with his fractal yeah i just use this i have four patches got those dialed in really well and that's it yeah and uh i haven't used amps in forever yeah and you know, the older I get, the less gear I want to have to take to a gig. And if I can, if I can do that without skimping on tone and, and the quality of sound, which I think I've found that with this uh, atomic amplifier pedal board, I, it, it's it, it's got everything on there. Yeah, and it's it's uh, it's pretty reasonable. It's, it's somewhere around I think eight hundred bucks. It's cheaper than a fractal, mm-hmm. but for what I need it for, it it's perfect. You know, just put some in my ears in my in-ears and I'm good to go. Yeah. I remember seeing you and Kent playing down at Jackie's brick house in the duo and, uh, the, the guitar sounded really nice. I wasn't that familiar with breed love. Uh, I'm a big Taylor guy. I've got like five or six, seven tailors uh, all all over the place in the house. But I saw Colin Hay, uh, the lead Mm -hmm. singer for men at work doing a Santa Cruz. He plays Santa Cruz guitars, hmm. and I had never heard of him before him. Yeah, but he was doing God, what was the big song? Um, um, Who can it be now? Or no, um, I'll think of it in a okay, minute. It was yeah. one of their bigger songs, but he yeah. was doing it acoustically. In the in the tone of this guitar is off the charts, and I'm oh, like, God. so now I'm thinking about man, I need to look at the the Santa Cruz. Maybe I need to throw a Santa Cruz in, in there, you know? Like, I mean, either he made it sound really goddamn good or it, it's just a really good-sounding guitar. And as I started to look at them, they're up there in price. I mean, they're yeah. not they're not the laminate $300 guitars like like the Taylors aren't either, right? So, so Like a boutique brand or yeah. something? Yeah, it's, it's probably I, along the Colin, Co- Collings line, like a – handmade guitar out of Santa Cruz, California. Well, when I was living in LA, I saw him at a, at a place called Largo mm-hmm. and it was just him and an acoustic guitar. I used to go watch him quite often when I was living out there. He had a little residency there for a little bit and it was just a little tiny little place. <clears throat> and I remember his guitar always sounded amazing. And I got, I, I, I remember I kind of poked or peeked at the stage under his mic stand one night. And I think all I saw was like a DI box, a tuner, and like one other pedal. So, I mean, the majority of that sound, whatever was coming through that guitar. Yeah. I, I'm not sure if that was the same one you're talking Probably. about, but it sounded amazing. It sounded yeah. huge. And he, <laughs> and he's an amazing artist. Like I never, maybe it was the whole, the minute work videos that resonate in my mind from MTV. Like I, they had great songs. We loved them back in the eighties. I, I, I don't know that I took them too serious as like being like over the top, great artist, but yeah. at, seeing him later on in the years doing solo stuff. It's like, this dude's a badass. Like he, he's got oh. an amazing voice Dude, and yeah. the playing is like, okay. Yeah. Until I saw him at Largo, mm-hmm. I never 
I didn't know he even played guitar. I just thought right. he was the singer. Singer, yeah, he sure, yeah. And, you know, he was up there with this acoustic guitar, and he was just playing these beautiful chords yes. flawlessly. Yes. And in his and his voice even sounded better than ever. Yeah. You know, I don't know how old the guy is, man, but... Oh, he's got to be late, was late 50s, his, early 60s, somewhere He was singing his butt off and playing the hell out of that guitar, and yeah. I, I hadn't... I had no idea that he was a guitar player and he has a very nice tenor voice which i don't have i'm i, I don't know about okay. you you, no, you i'm, I'm a, a i'm a baritone kind of guy like the lower register but uh, i wish i always wish that i had that <sighs> upper register vocal range and he does like he's up there and he's and he sounds really nice yeah, too amazing so Tell me how the listeners find you guys, projects that you're playing. What's the best way to go find out about these projects that you're playing and where you guys are playing, the places you're playing, that kind of thing? The best way, you know, having three different bands, instead of having three different websites, we made one website that's like the hub for all three bands, the acoustic stuff Kent and I do, and my solo stuff. And it is www.spacecitybands.com. Plural, bands. So spacecitybands.com. Okay. And that's got bios, video, song lists, schedules, everything you would need to know about each band, where we're playing. And it's got our calendar through the end of the year, from now through the end of the year. And it's, uh, yeah, so that's the kind of a one-stop shop for all the bands and all the projects that we have are all on that website, spacecitybands.com. So if you're looking to book any of these bands... You should do it now for for twenty twenty two, not twenty twenty one, right? I mean, you guys right. are pretty packed for the year, but uh, yeah. get get on that schedule. I, I guess are you the main one booking for the bands, uh, or do you guys share that responsibility? I think I'm probably the primary guy, but uh, and we also, you know, each band does have a Facebook page of their own too. So I think Diamond Jack is Facebook. It's a Diamond Jack Houston. Okay. Mr. Wonderful. Oh, so they're, I think they all have Houston. So it's Mr. Wonderful Houston. That's MR Wonderful Houston, Diamond Jack Houston, Shotgun Road Houston. Okay. So, but yeah, I think I, I yeah, Kent does some stuff uh, booking wise here and there, but I think I'm pretty much the primary guy. Do you but, think there's any chance that any of these bands that we talked about will record any original material from the respective genre? I mean, is that out of the question? Have you guys no. ever. You know, no, we've open conversations about that. We've talked about it. Yeah, we we've definitely talked about it, and we were just talking about it earlier this week. Actually, Kent and I, we've been wanting to do something like that, but we just haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. I mean, it's kind of on a back burner, but it's definitely something that we would like to do. I've got some solo country stuff that we have talked about, maybe working into the Shotgun Road Show, and uh, Kent even Rat Ranch had some country stuff that they had done original music that we've talked about maybe taking a song or two of that a song or two that i had on my album and working them into our set and as well as writing some new stuff from scratch it's just covid came along and like everybody else we just kind of put everything on the back burner but it it's yeah it's definitely been discussed and even for diamond jack and mr wonderful we've talked about recording a couple versions of songs that covers that we do to have out there to put on the website or something and, and uh, until we can write something of our, okay. of our own. Yeah. So uh, all three bands, it's definitely something we would like to do. That would be cool. Um, not to, you know, try to make it, you know, or anything, just something, you know, like a, one of those why nots. Sure. You know, cause we all, you know, we're all creative, but 
we get so caught up in our schedules and, and learning these songs, you know, for the paycheck Yeah, that writing original stuff, at least I'll speak for myself, you know, kind of gets pushed onto the back burner. But Well, and there's only so many hours in the day too, yeah. you know. But we've all, like Kent and I both have recording software and all the kind of, all the stuff we need at, at our homes to where we can remotely record and he, we can send stuff back and Absolutely. forth to each other. And so, yeah, we've definitely talked about the desire to do that. When we'll pull the trigger on it, I'm not real sure, but. Well, I'm sure you guys will keep uh, everybody posted through and by way of uh, social media, like oh, what, yeah. what you're up to and, and whatnot. Let's do some quick fire questions. You down? Cool. Yeah. Um, all right. So how about 70s, 80s, or 90s music? 80s. Oh, 70s. I take it back. 70s. Oh, he's re- he's reneging. Yeah. 70s. 70s. Okay. Uh, what about Neil Pert or Keith Moon? Pert. Favorite guitar? A telly. American, American telly. TV or radio? TV. Acoustic or electric drums? Oh, acoustic. Favorite drum in the entire set? Now, I just asked Guy Gelso from Zebra this the other day, and he's like, whoa, I've never I've never That's been asked that question before. One. Like, uh, which drum in the drum set? Like, if you're a golfer, like, I don't know if you've ever played golf, but there's that one club in the bag for a golfer that is the go-to. Like, I hit that one better than any other club. Like, what is the drum for you? Man, I'm a big crash cymbal guy. Okay. So I would say any of the crash symbols. <laughs> I'm a big accent. Okay. Guy. So Interesting. Crashes, crashes over toms themselves. Yeah. So Guy's response to me was the uh, the the bass drum and the snare. I mean, okay. he answered it with two, but that was his two go tos. That for, would be my for various. That reasons. would be my second. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Rock or country? Rock. Houston music scene or the Dallas music scene? God, I haven't been back to Dallas in almost 20 years, so I don't know what it's like now, but I, I don't have to go with Houston. Well, you know, if you compare Dallas back to the the backstage and the Cardi's days, like you came up during that time. Oh, like, I, you know, like. I'd still say Houston. Okay. Yeah. I always tell people you can plead the fifth on this one because you don't want to feel partial, like, to the places that you play, but do you have a favorite room or a favorite place that you like to play? Oh, you mean like a venue? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jackie's. Okay. Yeah. Somebody else said Jackie's too. Yeah, Brit. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good joke. Yeah. Brett. Hey, Brett. Yeah, Brett. <laughs> I, yeah, he did say that, didn't he? Yeah, I was I trying to remember. Somebody I interviewed said that. I was thinking that Kent said that, but I don't remember if I asked him. I haven't heard Kent's. Uh, no, no, no. It hadn't yet. come out yet. But, uh. I was thinking about throwing his away. I don't think I'm, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Poor Kent. We've like done a, who, Tina's like, who's Kent? (laughs) Well, at least it's not on video because I heard he was naked during the podcast. Oh gosh. Jeez. (laughs) Okay. No, so Jackie's man. Jackie's is just, Jackie's is a cool room. The the people love their music there. Yeah. And, you know, come on, John and the staff there are they're top they're, notch. They're awesome. Yeah. They're so awesome. I think I've played, I certainly have not played Jackie's as many times as you guys, but I've done probably six or maybe six or seven shows there, and I've always joined it because I grew up on that side of town, so my following, you know, is on that side of town already. Yeah. So it's easier to get them, 
it's like, oh, you live out in Cyprus. I don't want to drive, you know, 45 minutes to see. It's, right. it's that, the poor pitiful me, all you <laughs> Randy Hulsey listeners out there. Yeah, I mean, I, hey, don't get me wrong. I mean, everywhere that we play currently that's in our rotation, I, I love playing at. You know, we, we play at Mahoney's in the Woodlands quite often, um, all three bands. Yep. And that's a great that's a great place, too. I mean, But if, if I have to go by where the best crowd response is, and not just, you know, like how cool the staff is and all that. The staff's pretty cool at every, everywhere yeah. we play. But um, Jackie's audiences are the best. Yeah. They just they just love, and they really show it there, yeah. how much they love the music. And, and so for the band members, I think that's where we get, we feel the most love. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm John. John will love to hear that, I'm yeah. sure. Favorite song to play live? Uh, well... I have to break it down to each band then, because right. uh, Diamond Jack, my favorite live song is probably Four Play, Long Time, Boston. Mr. Wonderful, my favorite song that we do is probably a lesser known song uh, called Crazy by Ice House. And in Shotgun Road, my favorite one is probably any of the songs that we do by Ronnie Millsap or Vince Gill. Okay. Do Liza Jane by Vince Gill, which is a just a fun, upbeat, twangy, telly guitar song, and with really cool harmonies. And, you know, and that's another thing. Any of the songs that have big harmonies, I love. Yeah, I mentioned earlier that that Diamond Jack is my favorite, and I and I think the uh, I think you guys open up with this song, but I think the one that resonates with me and that's one of my favorites that you do is off the Flat as a Pancake album, uh, oh, Head East. East. Yeah, yeah oh, love God. love that song. Never been any reason that song never gets boring. No, it doesn't. And I, I think that what is that like the only song that they had? Like I don't I don't know. I don't think they were a one hit wonder, but I mean, I don't know of any other song by Head East that that resonate to me, I, but, um, but I do love that one. I mean, that was just like, that, yeah. that has that seventies vibe, man. I, oh, it's, that, I love that. Yeah. And I loved John Schlitt's voice. Yeah. Even when he, you know, when he went to Petra, you know, with yeah. for several years, I, sure. I loved a lot of their stuff just because he was a singer. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's, I, that's really the only song I know by Eddie's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the guys in the band, they probably know more, stuff that they did because they're so much older than i am <laughs> right but uh well it gives madigan a little chance to show off the boom 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 you know it has yeah. a little and bass the, line and the keyboards are awesome in it yeah. too it's, yeah i love the keyboard it's yeah. got that moogie kind of you know yeah, yeah. And, and Mike, Mike's been a great addition for you guys. Like the, oh, yeah. the dudes off the charts, I was booking him. Uh, I booked him a couple of places. I think Jamie had played maybe, maybe friends uncorked when I was booking for them down South, but, but yeah, great, a great keyboardist, uh, pianist. And I discovered him when he was with sister Mary Tarantula, like he, he was with that band and then he left and then, you know, next thing you know, he was playing with you guys. And I'm like, well, what a great fit, right? I didn't know him prior to him joining okay. Diamond Jack. I didn't know his name. I didn't, you know, the guys had mentioned that he played with Madigan. Okay. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, he had been in Madigan for a little while, years ago. Okay. And then I had heard that he played with uh, the band VHS. Yes. That does Jackie's yes. from time to time, uh, who I'd never seen just because they always played on the same nights we were playing. Yep. But yeah, I didn't know anything about Mike. He came to our first rehearsal, and I was just like, "Wow!" Yeah. Mean, he just blew me away. Yeah, um, and I think he's tied into School of Rock as well yeah. as a teacher. But he was yeah. 
So it was, there's a guy named Jeremy Walton. Right. And Jeremy's the bass player for VHS, who was also in Sister Mary Tarantula. It was Mark Neely, um, Carlos, um, you know, Mike and uh, Jeremy both played in that band. They've done a little bit of a lineup change since Mike and um, um, Jeremy left and went on to do the VHS thing. But um, that's where I knew those guys back from the Sister Mary Tarantula days. Cool, yeah. Formal training on the drums? (laughs) No. Okay. I don't have any formal training on any instruments whatsoever other than some chords my dad showed me when I was a kid and my headphones. Yeah, right. (laughs) My turntable as a kid. Sometimes that's the best way to learn, you know. That's, yeah. Favorite song of all time? I'd probably... It's a tie between maybe I'm amazed and a something by Je- the band Jellyfish. Do you know who that Jellyfish is? It's I I I didn't right here. Interesting. Right here, I'm showing it my tattoo on my arm of Jellyfish. Um, yeah, they they have a a song called Joining Fan Club, which is the title uh, opening song on their Spilt Milk album. That's probably tied with maybe I'm amazed as my favorite songs and this band to me is like who who are these guys like before so i was interviewing joey jones and uh, his guitarist antonio brazil great guys and i think i asked him this same question if if not kind of a derivative or something along the lines of you know most influential band or whatever and both of these guys said jellyfish and i'm like what in uh-huh. I feel like I'm missing out now that you've said jellyfish. Like, oh. so I'm going to have to go like and and check them out, right? Oh, or, you, do you know jellyfish too? Okay, so she knows. Yeah. So you guys can't see the visual here, but but <laughs> Tina's sitting over in uh, another area and uh, she's holding up the praise praise Jesus and for for jellyfish. So yeah. I'm going to have to give them a give there. them a listen. They're I feel amazing. like I'm missing something now. I was very fortunate to have uh, the solo album I did up in L.A. The, the keyboard player of Jellyfish did the keyboards on my album. Oh, no, which was a uh-huh kind of thing for me. It was the starstruck thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, kind and, of a surreal thing. And you know, not many people know that Jellyfish was not a household name by any means. No. But musicians know who they are. Okay, and they've got everybody's respect yeah. in the music community. So they only did two albums, I think 92 and 93. I, okay. think, I think I have those years right. But uh, And you know, that, that, was that, it. that was a really weird time for me. Like, um, I, I, I think I've pro- this has come up in probably every interview that I've done. But, there, there, you know, I've, I've always said, and it's always been a tongue-in-cheek thing for me, like in 1989, I turned off the radio. And I just stopped listening. Like, yeah. I, you know, as as hair metal was going out and grunge was coming in, I, I respect all the grunge, you know, the, you know, the Nirvanas and, yeah. and Pearl Jams. But um, I just, I don't know what I was doing at that part in that, that time in my life that I just wasn't into that stuff, right? And so, you know, now that you mentioned Jellyfish being 92, 94 time frame, Okay, no, yeah. that makes sense to me now, like, why I missed that, right? But if you like the Partridge family... I love the Partridge you'll family. You'll love Jellyfish. Okay, yeah. this this is Jellyfish rolled up. Beach Boys, Super Tramp, Queen, Cheap Trick, Costello, 10cc. Wrap that up into a cigar and smoke that, and you've got Jellyfish. No kidding. Okay, well, all bands the that I love. The biggest harmonies in the world. Really? 
Okay. And the grooviest Fender Rhodes kind of keyboardy Partridge family kind of wow. songs with Queen vocals and Beach Boys harmonies. That's Jellyfish. All right. Well, I'll definitely yeah. look them up now. It, it's funny. Not many people have ever heard of 10CC, right? Oh, and if oh. and if I'm a big music trivia guy, but if you don't know where they got the band name from, you should look that up sometime. It's quite interesting. I'll tell you, you off the record on, if you don't know. You got uh, me on that this one. Is, this is not a, this is like, I guess, a PG-13 show, not a, <laughs> not a X-rated type <laughs> show. So through Stacey Steele's eyes. Greatest drummer of all time. Oh, I think, well, of all time, that's a tough one. I'll tell you who, who I really love right now and have for several years is Todd Zuckerman from Styx, their current drummer, who, yeah. the new guy, and he's, what, you know, 25, been in the band for like 25 years or right, something like yeah. that. He's just amazing. Yeah. But, you know, I I, I love, uh, you know, Neil Peart, of course. I mean, who doesn't, yeah. you know? Um, but uh, I'm really hooked on Todd Zuckerman's playing. I like um, his playing. I've seen video. I haven't uh, seen Sticks live since they of course don't have the Panazzo brothers any right, you right. know, but um yeah, he I mean all the YouTube stuff that I've seen with Sticks, I mean the dude's really good. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm I am i am not a a big fan of like super technical drumming. It just does I'm more of a I like Dave Grohl. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just a power yeah. you know, kind of bottom type, sure. just in the pocket heavy on heavy footed on the kick yeah that i i gravitate more to that but and Zuckerman can do all that but he'll do a little fill or some kind of thing where you just go what in the world did i just hear and yeah. it's amazing and, and makes it look like it's effortless and just super tasteful yeah i i yeah sometimes overplaying is not attractive and underplaying is not either but sometimes it's you know like you said the 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 simple fills can just be the most tasteful yeah. things. I don't need to hear right. a bunch of, you know, exactly. it, it. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Okay. Number one, influential musician or band. McCartney. Were you a big wings fan? I love wings. So I, I mean, I was never, I have to say that I totally respect the Beatles. Um, what, you know, some of the greatest musicians of our time, I was never a big Beatles fan, but I, I loved Wings. Like, I loved their stuff more than I loved the Beatles. That was just, that's just my taste, right? But I, yeah. but I was always, and I think that that was, Wings for me was synonymous with that mid to late 70s sound that, that shaped me as a musician. You know, yeah, Band I, on the Run and, you know, just stuff like that well, really no, resonated no with me. No pun intended, but, you know, McCartney really got to spread his wings. Sure. When he... When he put that together, right? Because you know, I, I was, you know, people are like, "You are you a Lennon guy or a McCartney guy?" You know, I'm, I'm a McCartney guy, yeah. hands down, just because I think his melodies resonated more with me than Lennon's. Uh, but I love Lennon. I mean, yeah, I love the Beatles, and I didn't even really discover the Beatles until my adult years. I mean, I knew who they were, but it wasn't until I had been a musician, a yes. working musician for a while, that I went back. And listened to like Abbey Road and Revolver right. and some of those albums and went, whoa. That's the way amazing. the Stones were for me. Like I was never a big Stones fan coming up. Yeah. But as I become a player out and a you know, playing shows and have incorporated some old stones like Angie and Wild Horses, the staple right. songs on the acoustic, 
did I ever go back and say, wow, I, I really like these guys, you know, the, the whole open G chords and that, that kind of thing, or the open G tuning, I should say. Yeah. It is cool. That was a big Keith Richards thing, right? Yeah. Favorite local band other than the ones you play in? Do you, do you have a, a band around town that you're like, I really like those guys. Like, you know, is there one for you or not really? And you know, no, I don't have one. And I'll tell you why, because, we play, play we don't, don't get we to go never see. get to go see yeah. anybody play i mean who's out <clears throat> gigging on a monday night or a tuesday night you know Nobody. i mean i mean yeah unless you're maybe a solo or something yeah so it, i don't know who's out there and what they say i mean i see names on marquees and websites Facebooks and facebook and stuff, and, stuff yeah. and i see you know a lot of my friends are out there gigging and and i'm glad they are but I I don't get to go see yeah. any of these people, and then if I do have like a weird Night Friday off. or Saturday off, which is extremely rare, I I stay home. Yeah, like, I don't blame I don't, you. I don't, you know, I don't drink, so yeah, I, I don't. I just don't go out. You yeah, know? but yeah, I never get to see anybody, so I don't know who's out there doing what. I mean, I've got like I said, I've got tons of friends that are out gigging, and I'd love to go see them if I could, but. I don't know. That's a tough one. It's it's nice to actually have the time to get on the other side of the microphone. Like for me, I, I enjoy going out and supporting, you know, like you guys play and Brad and, and you know, a lot, a lot of different people that are around town. It's nice to sit on that side and just get to enjoy the music versus yeah. being the one delivering it all the time. Yeah. So I really enjoy that myself. Yeah, I, I do too. I just don't, I, I never really get to. Well, and your situation is a little different. I mean, this is what you do for a living, and that's prime time right? for, for you guys to be out on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, yeah. some, most sometimes even Sundays, yeah. right, are pretty popular days. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah, spring and summer, absolutely. Yep. For all the listeners out there, I want to thank Stacy for joining the show and wish him and all the projects that he's playing in continued success on – the shows and future endeavors as well. As always, I ask the listeners to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Also, make sure to follow Diamond Jack, Shotgun Road, and all the projects uh, at spacecitybands.com. As always, you can find the show Backstage Pass Radio on Facebook at Backstage Pass Radio Podcast, on Instagram at Backstage Pass Radio on Twitter at Backstage Pass PC, and the website at BackstagePassRadio.com. Stacy, thank you for joining me. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. Yeah, thanks for Tina, having me. Tina, thanks for being patient over there. And uh, you guys take care of yourselves and each other, and we'll see you back here on the next episode of Backstage Pass Radio. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Backstage Pass Radio. Make sure to follow Randy on Facebook and Instagram at Randy Halsey Music and on Twitter at R Halsey Music. Also make sure to like, subscribe, and turn on alerts for upcoming podcasts. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to share the link with a friend and tell them Backstage Pass Radio is the best show on the web for everything music. We'll see you next time right here on Backstage Pass Radio.